0: Found an old man lying on the street I thought I'd do This is Texas Ranger And I've been A railroad man I lost two Sons to consumption I lost my money In a get rich scam I buried My wife 15 Years ago And that's when I took to The road I'm too crippled now To walk again of gold, I was built for glory. I was made to last. God formed these feet to walk golden streets when this on life is past. Says, doing well on the other side, if any. I asked, what's your name? He shook his head and said, it don't really matter. I'm just another poor soul out on the street whose reward's in the grave hereafter. And Jesus' been a friend of mine when all others passed me by. But he led you here so I could say the old man held me by the hand inside his final breath now his spirit This odd life is past It's time to make your peace with God Cause this life's over fast
1: Now I'd like you to uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12, verse 30 to 37. We're continuing the series called Applied Faith. And today it's called Applied Faith Tongue Control. James, the book of James, James the author James in the New Testament uh, says something, I'm paraphrasing here, that anybody who has gotten control of his tongue has achieved total perfection that's a kind of a paraphrase it's kind of the last thing that you get a handle on because no matter how good you become in life or no matter how spiritual how deep how wise how profound the tongue still gets you in trouble sometimes anybody here never gotten in trouble by the use of their tongue i know that i terry has never gotten in trouble I happen to know that's not true, Terry. I'm not going to tell your story for you, but... (laughs) Matthew chapter 12. I know that um, I I put a lot of energy um, unwillingly into regretting things that I have said. Sometimes I regret things I say from the pulpit from here. Not because I intentionally wanted to say something that might hurt somebody, but because afterwards, oh, you know, so-and-so might have took offense at this, and I didn't really want to hurt that person. And, and um, you know, what I discovered is that preaching in a big church is easy. Preaching in a smaller church is more difficult because you're looking at people you know. Everything I say has the potential to encourage somebody that I know and I can see right now or it has the potential to hurt their feelings. But I have done a little study on Jesus' style and concluded maybe this is unavoidable if you actually preach the Word of God. Jesus, you may have noticed, said some very harsh things. He talked about hell. He called the Pharisees some really... Uh, I would say, bad words, actually. and um, But all of those things that were harsh or strong that Jesus said were in the context of preaching the Word. But on the personal level, it was all, come unto me and I will give you rest. And it was love and compassion interacting with people face to face. And the difference it dawned on me was that In the public communication that Jesus did, if the shoe fits, wear it. It's not personal. It's objective truth. And I think everybody who has been in a pastoral role or a preaching role has to come to this conclusion that if somebody takes it or is hurt by something you say, and it wasn't intentional, and in my experience it never has been for me, then that's because of something in their life, or maybe something the Holy Spirit is teaching them or getting their attention with, and that could be a good thing. Uh, but otherwise, it's a public communication. Have you heard the expression "if your shoe fits, wear if the shoe fits, wear it"? I think that might come from the Cinderella story, I suppose. But um, so if it applies to you, it applies to you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But on a personal level, when someone comes up to you in in your face says something that 's offensive, then there 's some special caution you need to take about how you approach it or how you say it. I had a in the former church, we had a builder, a contractor, a carpenter, I guess you would say, in the congregation, and one time he came up to me after. Um, the sermon, and he said, well, pastor, you really hit the nail on the head. Unfortunately, he drove the nail right through the board. Well, I admit that I sometimes do that. I say things kind of strongly. We have a, kind of an inherited disease in our family. We call it caustic hyperbole syndrome, which means you say things in an exaggerated way, and if you happen to be kind of a wordsmith, you can put things together in such a way that could be very offensive and very hurtful. Even, and it, it may just be a game to the person doing it, but it isn't to the person receiving it. So I need to say to you folks here that if I have ever said anything from the pulpit that has offended or hurt you, get over it. <laughs> what do you expect me to say? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you the truth. I have been on the receiving end of a great deal of criticism, both public and private. And a good deal of that criticism has come to me through third parties. Well, you know what so-and-so said about you? (laughs) Well, that kind is a little harder to take. Most people, if they got something to say to me and they say it to my face, I can punch them or take it. As who it's from. But when I know that they're spreading it around, saying things to other people, that does hurt more. And so I want to read this. I put together this article called Understanding Gossip. It's in your insert here, it's on the backside before we get to the passages that we're going to deal with. I want to make sure we touch on this subject because I think it's an important subject, gossip. Gossip is important in churches because a lot of times churches have managed to weed out some of the more overt moral or public sins, but some things remain because they're things that you can get by with without being noticed. Gossip and slander tend to be two of them. Oddly enough, the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, where he gives a list of morality issues that god that identify the true believer from the unbeliever gossip and slander are put right in the list of moral issues so it's not something to take lightly but this little article on gossip it's short i'll just read it you can follow along talking about people is natural and normal and even healthy in the right circumstances for example church historians have coined the expression gossiping the gospel to describe how the gospel spread so far and wide in the first century True community and true family requires that we know what's going on in each other's lives. In fact, healthy teamwork in any context requires a high degree of familiarity with those we're working with and their present needs. Gossip, on the other hand, is defined as spreading information about others that is neither necessary nor helpful to them or their reputations. This is not the same as slander, which is the deliberate publishing or verbalizing of damaging information about other, another person when you know it is false or should have known. The facts and gossip may or may not be true, but once they're spread, it doesn't much matter. The damage is done. The motives for gossip, like any sin, are varied. The sense of power To make or break someone's reputation can be addictive and self-aggrandizing. Or gossip may be so much a part of a person's habits that they don't even think of it as wrong. Some people find it a means of acceptance into certain groups they strive for. Others use it as a means of hurting someone they're angry with. But like all sins and addictions, the long-term guilt and lack of trust from others cancel out the short-term feeling of acceptance or power. Stopping gossip is everybody's responsibility. If you enjoy it, be forewarned that God puts it in the category of immorality, Romans chapter 1. And like most sins, it takes two to tango. Don't believe accusations unless you have information from both sides. Number two, don't use prayer or prayer requests to gossip in the name of Jesus. Number three, be careful who you share your frustrations with especially if they involve other people number four get new friends if the glue of a group or relationship is gossiping about other people number five practice gossiping some good news about other people number six ask God for genuine love for others and for your own attitude So. I think gossip is something that comes to mind when we talk about tongue control. and It's uh, relevant because it's actually in the Bible associated with this. But first let's just um, read a passage from uh, what Jesus had to say about communication, about words. Matthew 12, verse 30 to 37. I just want to take a section of that and then go to some of the statements from the book of Proverbs that deal with this subject. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. He who is not with me is against me. Jesus teaching the disciples here, I should say. And he who does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, even in this, either in this age or in the age to come. Now, this is immediately following where the Pharisees accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Satan, Satan himself. And Jesus picks up on this and warns them that when you insiders who know enough to talk about Satan, Beelzebub, another name for him that's used here, uh, or the Holy Spirit, You be especially careful. There is a different standard of judgment for those who know better than those who don't. When you use the expression, well, the Holy Spirit said this, if you use the expression, Satan is inspiring you to do that, you need to be careful because these are insider information situations. That's what Jesus is saying to them. If the Holy Spirit is offended, you've got a problem. Because who is it that convicts the heart and works in the mind? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father who is in heaven superintending the universe. So who is the one who's working in the hearts and the minds? So if you blaspheme or offend the Holy Spirit, so he says, Okay, I'm done working here. What's going to happen? That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Be careful with this insider. You you probably have noticed that the Holy Spirit isn't even a proper name. Jesus, God the Father, or Yahweh, have personal names. The Holy Spirit just has an appellative in the Bible. That's a description of what he does or who he is, but not a proper name. There's a reason for that because the Holy Spirit is the mysterious force of God. And if you want to start talking about the Holy Spirit, and if you want to start talking about Satan, you need to be extra cautious because this is insider information. But you notice he says, speak, several times. In other words, the words you use are going to identify what your intent is, what your meaning is. He goes on to say, to amplify on that subject in verse 33 in this passage, "...make a tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him." But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Ew. What do you you think of that? I mean, what did you say to your spouse yesterday or this morning? You know that God heard it? or your children or your parents, or about somebody, the gossip part. Uh, It's a little scary. It's not intended, I don't think, to be scary. But just a reminder that what you say does represent who you are. I think what Jesus is pointing out here is where your heart is, that eventually comes out of your mouth. He's He's not suggesting that you memorize religion talk. Or Bible verses. But it doesn't take people long to figure out where people's true values are. Just a f- couple of months ago, I happened to be in a coffee shop here, but came across a guy who I knew from the past, and he was telling me about his great adventures as in, um, uh, in some other place as a short term missionary. And the conversation started out interesting, but after a while it dawned on me that everything he said had to do with money. And then I remembered who the guy was. I knew him from the past. He was all about money, even though he was talking about mission work. Everything was how much this cost and how much he spent doing this great deed of his. And and, and it was like he referred to money about 20 times in a half hour conversation and I remembered that's who this guy is I had occasion to um, one time meet a fellow pastor who um, apparently had connections with big important religious people and I had a conversation with him and he kept dropping names of all these important people he knew and after a while, I started picking up on this. He knew so-and-so. Oh, yeah, when, when I was at this conference, I was, uh, I, I was talking to Billy Graham, and, and this is what he had to say. And uh, this was quite a few years ago. And, and then another guy and another guy, and after a while, I kind of felt like throwing up on his fancy shoes. It's like, okay, I get you. You're in the religion industry, and you see yourself as a big shot. Eventually, how you talk does indicate who you are. This is true of other things too. You go in people's houses, you see what they value, what's on the wall, what what uh, what uh, you know what's prominent in their home. That sort of reflects their character, right? And how people talk reflects their character. This is what Jesus is saying. So we'll pick up on a little of the practical side of this from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is ultimate practical study. It's really just a collection of sayings about life that are put together and offered as wisdom, the wisdom literature in the Bible. So I'm going to take you through these. I've got here, I don't know if we'll get through the entire list, but uh, these are things that um, in, on a common sense level, the practical level, that uh, we should be thinking about or maybe make an adjustment. And if even one or two of these things reminds you that there's something you need to work on in your own life so that you can adjust to the intent of your communication to match your intent. Now, if your intent isn't there, if you're not really that interested in... Being filled with God's spirit or have character like that, then it's just external religious activity to try to adjust your vocabulary. That's not the point. Let's start with um, two ears and one mouth. Here's some proverbs here. This kind of makes sense. I imagine many parents have said this to their kids. you got two ears and one mouth. Why don't you use it? Use them. Proverbs 10 verse 19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Well, that sometimes, that kind of makes sense, right? That's pretty practical. Uh, But you really, this is a good point to make. You got two ears and one mouth. How about the proportion being about, right? Because the fact is... Silence is okay. Silence can be gold. Sometimes silence is just cowardly or yellow, if you use the same uh, analogy. But it can be golden too. Sometimes being silent isn't all that bad. Sometimes the trouble we get into is we just talk too much. And maybe it's okay to just be part of the group and absorb and not necessarily have to always be saying what first comes to our minds. I'm sure you're aware if you are on Facebook or Twitter or some of the other modern social media uh, things is that it's pretty easy to be spouting off before you think about it. Now back in the olden days, and I still remember when email got invented, um, that back in the olden days it was bad enough you had to sit down with a pen and a paper and you had to either write it out and then throw it away in the garbage, or type it out, and then throw it away, or send it. There's about three or four steps in between when it first flashes to your tongue and gets to the person. That um, it was a little slower process. And I'm sure that many people have regretted some of the things they've said or done. Uh, in social media, but many people regret what they say or do in person, too. And that's okay. Sometimes regret is a good thing. Regret is how we learn. Oops, made a mistake there. I'm going to try not to do that again. One of the things is maybe we don't need to talk or communicate or express our opinion as much as we do. I think many people have been astounded at the political process on the presidential level this year, the things that get said—incredible. Well, I think they always got said. I just don't think they get said publicly. Used to didn't get said publicly anymore. Uh, if you read the bi- if you read the biographies of uh, political figures from the past, I'm currently reading a biography of Alexander Hamilton. There's a play based on him right now. The guy was always spouting off in the political arena things that he had to take back. Well, people do that and did that then. It's just part of human nature. But um, I think sometimes we're a little shocked. But I think what's going on on the national level is pretty much what goes on in most people's daily lives. I don't see a great deal of difference. And maybe that's one of the problems. What goes on on the national level so accurately reflects everybody's life or their television viewing habits or social media habits that uh, kind of shock to see it out in public. Number two, be a wise listener. Proverbs 18, verse 17, the first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. And then Proverbs 25, verse 12 Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. Listening to the other side of the story is what he's suggesting. First one to present a case, think of this in terms of gossip or everything else. The first one to present his case, yeah, makes sense. Thought it through, they've made a good case. Well, then you talk to the other party and it sounds totally different. I used to, Marjorie and I, used to do uh, some marriage counseling and used to do more than we do now. We have access to good counseling situations here in the city. Um, Kind of gave it up when my wife said to me one day after a meeting, Dave, I don't think telling people that they deserve each other actually is marriage counseling. But (laughs) Well, it's probably true. Not my forte. But, nevertheless, be a wise listener and ask questions. I learned that the hard way when I was brand new to ministry. We planted a church up in uh, Washington State. And um, one of the early members came from another church. And um, she had these stories to tell about how awful that church was and how burnt she got, was in that church and how hurt she was by that church. Eventually I met the pastor of that church and I said, well, we got so-and-so coming to our church and we're glad to be able to minister to her and and, um, I understand you guys went through a church conflict and she was quite hurt by it. And he said, what? She was hurt by it? She wasn't hurt by it. She was the ringleader. Oh. When I hear people say, the church done me wrong. My first reaction now is, you mind if I check with the church to see if you done them wrong? And that's true of a lot of things. The first one to tell the story about a conflict or abuse or about something kind of makes sense because they've had time to think it through. But if you jump right on that bandwagon without checking the other side of the story, then that qualifies you as a fool easily manipulated look for evidence check it out Is what he's saying That's called wisdom and then the third one self-esteem problems and the mouth Proverbs 18 verse 2 fools have no interest in understanding they only want to air their own opinions and Proverbs 27 verse 2 let someone else praise you not your own mouth a stranger Not your own lips. Hmm. Well, I call that a self-esteem problem because really it's sort of... uh, We usually think of self-esteem problems as low self-esteem. Wait a minute. If you got low, don't you have high, too? I think a lot of people do self-promote. Well, they wouldn't do that if they didn't have low self-esteem and feel like they needed to promote themselves. So you need to promote them in order for them not to feel like they got to promote themselves. And... Oh, come on. It's such a game. People who brag and build themselves up and promote themselves are suffering from puffed-up egos and high self-esteem. Well, sure, whatever their motivations, why they need to do it, who cares? We can never examine someone else's motivations. Only God can do that. The actions are what matter, and he's suggesting here, let others praise you, promote you, give your references. You might say, write your resume. Because uh, I want to hear from the other people uh, what you're like, what, uh, how you come across. And fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. You ever been in a conversation where you could tell the person you were talking to was just, just waiting for you to shut up so they could say what they want to say? No real interaction there. No back and forth. No, yeah, I I get it. I'm with you. Just uh, wait for it. There are people that just don't want to be interrupted. They just want to talk. I got information to give, and what my information is, what matters, and what you got to say doesn't matter at all because you're nothing. In my presence, you're nothing. Learn the skill of interacting. Asking questions. What he's saying. Use your mouth to participate. Instead of just outflow all this glorious wisdom that I have. Shut up and listen. The perverse power of gossip. Proverbs 16 verse 28. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 26 verse 20. Without wood a fire goes out and without gossip a quarrel dies down. I think that's a pretty... Good analogy. You know, you you let the fire die and you don't keep feeding it more wood. It will eventually die of its own steam. A lot of human problems are like that. If you don't keep feeding it, you don't keep dumping more information into the mix, it will die out eventually. And the next one is almost like it. You won't get away with it. You won't get away with it, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 20. A bird of the air may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. You ever heard the expression, a little birdie told me? That's where it came from. And then the next one, Proverbs 6, verse 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. A man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Now, I just picked the last of the seven because it matches the theme here of what the gossip references were about. That it's an odd way of saying this, but this is one of the few places in the Bible where the grammar actually says God hates the person. We're so used to saying God loves everybody, He doesn't hate anybody. But the grammar of this is quite specific. He doesn't just say God hates people gossiping or sowing discord with the way they needle people with information. He says God actually hates that person. I don't know. You can't read too much into that. But maybe it's scary on purpose. Maybe God really takes this seriously. That when we communicate, we should be careful that we're not part of the conflict, disturbance. That we're part of the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, said Jesus. One way to not be a peacemaker is to stir up dissent, trouble, conflict, bad feelings with the things that we say. I got to tell you a secret. You can't tell anybody else, but I got to tell you. Wait a minute. I can't tell anybody else. And that same person's going around telling 10, 20 people and swearing them all to silence so nobody can check it out. God isn't happy and it's disruptive, destructive. Oh, and the next one though, though that's getting a little heavy. Oh, lighten up. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 21-22. Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant curse you, for you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. An image comes to my mind. When I was a kid, we, I lived out in the country, uh, but through the woods, we could hear the trains at night. And we knew they were out there, and as we got older, we discovered where the tracks were. And then we read somewhere that, uh, or heard somewhere, that if you put your ear to the rail, you can tell when the train is coming. Well, actually, you can't tell quicker than actually just looking down the track. But, uh, but it is kind of interesting, because if it's coming around the corner, you can hear it through the rail. But you've got know, to be careful not to keep your head on the track. That's the trick, If you don't take your head off the track soon enough, this is the analogy he's using here. uh, Just stop listening, okay? People are talking about you. You know what? Yeah, they're talking about you. But light up. You talk about others too. Somebody said something bad about you. You ever said anything bad about anybody? Yeah, I bet you have. I may have told you this one time that uh, the Lord communicated to me. When I was so frightened of speaking in public, it was almost as if, I don't know if someone else told me this or if it kind of came from God directly. Well, what are you afraid of, Dave, in doing your job or doing your ministry? Well, I'm afraid that I will look like a fool up here. And God, or whoever it was, speaking for God, said, huh, you already are a fool. What are you worried about? Everybody already knows you're a fool. Well, that kind of does fix the problem, right? If you're worried about seeming high and mighty and sophisticated, yeah, you're going to be stressed about doing God's thing. But once you accept the fact that everybody already knows you're kind of a loser then just go ahead and do it. It's very liberating. Instead of looking in the mirror like some of these seminars that cost you a thousand bucks to go to, looking in the mirror and, and saying, you are wonderful. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. You are God. You are wonderful. You're God. You're God. You're wonderful. There are seminars that do that, by the way, and they do cost a lot of money. Why don't you look in the mirror and say, you are a loser. But by the grace of God, you can be something today. That's very liberating. It's actually quite biblical as well. Instead of self-puffing, God-puffing, you might say. And then the trouble with arguing. I've got two more here, and I think we can do them. I'll do these two a little quicker. The trouble with arguing, Proverbs 23, verse 9. Do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. In Proverbs 26, verse 4, Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you will become as foolish as they are. Another way to put that is, the trouble with arguing with fools is that nobody else can tell which one is the fool. That's probably true. you know. We've got to set them straight. You know? Argue and argue and argue, and after a while, everybody else is saying... Which one of these people is the fool? Maybe they both are. That's what he's suggesting, another way to say, if you want to wrestle, get in a pig pen and wrestle a pig. Eventually, nobody will be able to tell which one is the pig, you or the pig, or the other pig. Be careful if it's pig farm. might get butchered. And then, the last one. Healing power of words. Proverbs 12, verse 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And Proverbs 16, verse 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. So most of this wisdom literature is a little bit challenging in terms, well, I would say, in negative terms. Because that's what wisdom literature is. It's basically, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But there's also some that say, do this instead Fill the gap with something good. Father, we ask that you will show us how we can use our tongues to glorify you, to do good, to build people up, to spread good news, to say good things. And Lord, we know that sometimes we need to say bad things too. You do that. But Lord, our message is positive And we are here to encourage others, build each other up, and to take seriously the commission we have to speak good news. Thank you for giving us that opportunity and making us communicators. With all the burden that goes with that, it's still a great blessing to be able to tell people we love them or to tell people things they need to hear. We can be used. We want to be. Show us how. In Jesus' name. Amen.